Hello. Welcome to the Gardener's Podcast. We're part of Garden Church in Southern California. Today we are going to listen in on a discussion recapping the sermon given by Darren Roundson on September 10th, 2023, titled Healing the Sick. If you've not heard it, go take a listen over at Garden Church Podcast. Today at the table, we have Pastor Darren Roundson, Pastor Amanda Petrella, and Darren Galindo sitting with us. For more information, please visit us at garden.church. Enjoy the conversation. Hey guys, welcome. Amanda, Darren, it's great to have you here. So stoked. So stoked, even yeah, though your face is, is like, oh my goodness, what's happening? I'm a little terrified, but it's good. Yeah, we're going to yeah. make sure you feel terror the whole time. We yeah. have, I have all the big questions. If you just make direct eye contact, yeah. I'll feel so yeah. safe. <laughs> Poor Amanda. So Darren, you'll just defer all the big questions yeah, to Amanda, and yep. yeah, it'll be it'll be e- super easy, yeah, right? Yeah, why wasn't I healed? Yeah, that's a big question we'll answer. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for those of you listening, this is a conversation that we're going to have about the sermon from Sunday, which Darren, what were we talking about on Sunday? We're talking about the healing ministry of Jesus. The healing power and seeing miracles, and, and we have a few of those stories, but before we get into those, Amanda... What were your, what's your first take? What's your takeaway from Sunday? Um, the, all the feels you led worship that day. I led worship. Yeah. I mean, I just came in so expectant. I think was carrying that for days. Like just felt knowing what we were going to be talking about, knowing what I felt like the Lord was asking our team to lean into and worship just felt expectant. Like that's something, Mm -hmm. I don't know, something big was going to happen. And then especially too, I think after last Sunday we had this remarkable encounter with the Lord where our service went, you know, over an hour long and not ever wanting to recreate something like that, Mm -hmm. but just knowing like, okay, anything could happen. Um, And I think what I experienced yesterday was just like hunger for more. I think what I'm realizing is showing up with expectancy is so good, but if I set an expectation of what's going to happen, I will probably be disappointed. So yeah, I don't know. Just left feeling like, man, I'm just hungry. Mm -hmm. I just want more. So Amanda, were you disappointed at the end of uh, second service yesterday? No, no, I wasn't. I wasn't disappointed. And worship was amazing. I know people, they always have their hands raised, but it's such a joy to see uh, the worship community so engaged with participating in worship, not just leading it. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think what I felt like we wanted to lean into was like celebrating the Lord. Mm. That was the big thing I felt all week was like, we need to learn how to celebrate him. And I think it's learning, actually. I do feel like pieces of us are there, but I I think it's like a further, what I felt was stretching. Like this is stretching us to step into a space of celebration. And yeah, I think I'm just aware of like how much more we get to step into Mm. really is what I feel. Yeah. Darren, what about you? What were some of the things that you were pulling away from yesterday? Well, I was exhausted heading into Sunday, so really glad we weren't starting our Sunday night yet, but I, Amos was up all night sick, so mm-hmm. you know I was waking up literally every hour as he screamed because he had a sore throat, and my, my six-year-old is, I wow. wouldn't call him dramatic, but I would say he, he's, <laughs> he knows what he's experiencing in a very loud way, and I love him. Um, but I, with that, I did have ex, like this high expectation because yeah. in my life I've seen when there's sickness or there's opposition or other things going on that I might not equate as attack or, you know, just, it could just be sickness. Like I tend to, to see like that could be very discouraging to deal with a sick kid while you're going to preach on healing. Meanwhile, you know, Amy, Pastor Amy's Charlie, one-year-old yeah. has a broken femur and then Faith 
Pastor Faith is at home with a sick kid as well. So there's just a lot of activity. But I came in. It's funny because I'm hearing you talk about worship, and it, it, it's interesting. There's like a a journey our church is taking, and yeah. there is a worship journey where it, it is about changing the expectation that we have yeah. as a church for what worship is about, like mm-hmm. bringing worship to a place where we're celebrating, we're honoring God, we're honoring His presence. It's not just give me the 15 minutes and right. then get on to the next thing. Right. There is this something else going on, and I'm, I love that. I also felt that... I was so surprised by how much the healing talk was, for me, the passion was more about this is what it means to be a disciple. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I didn't realize, like so much of what I was confronting was less about helping people overcome the the theology of does God heal today, Mm -hmm. which obviously that's part of the sermon, Mm -hmm. but it was more of what does it mean to be a disciple? And I think the the starting point was, you know, discipleship is not a self-project. And if we look at the biblical view of discipleship and the, the Jewish tradition of what a rabbi would do with disciples, it's we are really good at making discipleship about being with and becoming like, but we, we stop at doing what he did. Mm. And I, I saw like this energy and um, passion for in myself coming out going, man, if we're looking at just the top three things that Jesus actually did in the scriptures and we're called to do what he did, if he says in John 10 or John 14, you know, you're going to do greater things than me, like this has to be on our radar. Mm -hmm. That is one of the things we get to participate in. Mm -hmm. So that for me, reflecting back going, I love what God's doing in our church. I love our church right now. I've been, I talk to pastors all the time. Like I am so grateful for Garden and who she is and all the unique people that are coming and the personalities and what God's doing uniquely in our gatherings and outside of our gatherings, like I'm really grateful. Mm-hmm. So I, I walk away looking uh, so mm-hmm. grateful for what Sundays have been. Yeah. There have been seasons where we're like, oh, this has been hard. <laughs> or just nothing. <laughs> or yeah, nothing. Or like, you it's know, been six expecting months something and, and yeah, the ball just drops. Actually, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I want to just share, cause I felt like the Lord was leading. I was reading in scripture the other day. I'm just going to pull it out. Um, I was reading in, in Acts and in Acts chapter nine, there's this passage where Luke just says, this is what was going on. And I shared this with our elders earlier this week. I think I did it with the elders. Oh, this is a commentary. Sorry. Um, so in Acts nine, there's this, there's this part where like Luke just says, Hey, there was this great season of peace. And it says, Then the church throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like the Lord was like, this is that season for us. We stepped into a new space. God's doing all these new Mm -hmm. things. And it feels like, it feels like a season of peace and it feels like there's an encouragement happening and Mm -hmm. there's a a fear of the Lord that we're seeing even in Sundays and the spirit is, is moving and, it's been fun. So that's a long intro. So sorry about that. <laughs> no, for sure. That's <laughs> no, good. When we're thinking about healing, and you mentioned before, uh, we want to be a church that does the Jesus stuff. I'm not sure if you said it now, but you've said it before, and it's a thing. What are the Jesus stuff, and what do you want to see? Yeah. So that that's kind of Maybe. borrowed from John Wimber. When he became a Christian, he would go to these churches, and there's a point where he tells a story where he would go to the pastor and he said, when do I get to do this stuff? And the pastor's like, what stuff? And, you know, and he's like, 
you know, the stuff I read about that yeah. Jesus did. And, and, and he was, he basically had this view, like you, you go to church where people talk about it, but they never do the stuff. And mm-hmm. kind of the vineyard movement that was born had this real emphasis on everyone getting to play and doing the things of Jesus. So when I think of the Jesus stuff, I'm thinking about the activity that you see in the new Testament, you know, from preaching the kingdom, healing the sick, casting out demons, giving sight to the blind, all, all of that, but also, you know, sharing the gospel and, um, and having compassion and working out justice and prophecy and all the gifts of the spirit. It's like all the activity, you know, preaching and seeing salvation, like all the activity, um, that's in the act action of Jesus. You know, it's beautiful to think about like Jesus was an evangelist. He was a prophet. He was apostolic. He was pastoral. He was, he was a teacher. He's doing all these things. And so much of the church that life um, can kind of be reduced to, well, the pastor is the one that does it and I just receive it versus activating people into it, which is what I think the whole New Testament kind of showcases. Mm -hmm. At least that's how I read it. Yeah. Amanda, for you, um, when you think about the Jesus stuff, Mm -hmm. and that's so much of like this uncomfortable space because the Holy Spirit doesn't always follow the rules. He doesn't always follow the agenda and he disrupts. Like what's been your experience with the power of the Holy Spirit and, and watching that happen? I mean, it terrified me for a really long time. I told you we're going to stay in this terror. <laughs> Can you tell I'm so nervous? Can I say that on You're this? so good. No. Why did you it sound me? good? You good. You're okay. That's why we picked you for this talk. Love it. Love that I was targeted because of my fear. That fits. Um, no. Yeah, I didn't grow up in a community that leaned into any of this. I think I, whether this was taught to me or I just absorbed this, but the Holy Spirit was your conscience and that's kind of it. Maybe someone that you would ask for like peace or for comfort. The first time I ever came to the garden actually was not even a gathering. It was a prayer training, which is terrifying for someone who's- Dangerous space right there. Yeah. Coming in as like, okay, if you hear about crazy stuff happening in a church gathering, it might be demonic or like, it might be like, that was genuinely, I think what what I, or absorbed at some sense. I don't know if someone explicitly said that to me, but I think there was, yeah, this preconceived idea that that's not, that's not actually of the Lord. So run away from that kind of thing. So I go to our prayer training and yeah, you're teaching beautiful, I mean, good theology, which was so helpful for me. Theology about why and how and the practicals. I don't know if I should tell this story now that I'm into it. You're in it. Just go. You got to go stuck. for it. Go Someone for it. came up to me and was like, I want to pray healing over you and just puts their hand on my body. And how not to pray. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> what we said is you ask Quite literally yeah. what you don't do. Yeah. Clearly, that's um, why they were there being trained. They would, would yeah. have been They rebuked. didn't know. They yeah, just they, simply they didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't know. We'll so take it So for those of you that. listening, our <laughs> protocol is you don't just assume. You ask permission. Can I put a hand on your shoulder and pray? Especially maybe a sensitive place. Yeah. You just Keyword kinda... of shoulder. <laughs> I use it, yeah. Shoulder, maybe hand. Um, yeah, so all of that to say, I like show up into this environment that's just unpredictable. I think that's the thing that has felt scary to me for a really long time is just the unpredictability um, of, yeah, how the Spirit's moving, what He wants to say, knowing that there is like power in something outside of my control really scared me, I think, for a really mm-hmm. long time. 
And now that's the thing that I'm craving and desiring because I think I also then later, yeah, came into the garden, started to be trained in these things, started to understand the theology, started to see the Lord doing things around me. Um, but then I think quickly settled into a place too of like, oh, this is the norm and it can almost get bored. And now I'm in a place of like, how do I like go on an adventure with the Lord? Like I actually mm. think it can feel like that um, because of the unpredictability of what yeah. he wants to do. So anyway. No, that's that's good yeah. and that's super helpful. I, I have a similar experience yeah. uh, coming from a church background where um, the belief in the power was there, mm -hmm. but it, you couldn't tell, you yeah. couldn't tell the difference. They, uh, and, uh, more often what I would get is just the uncomfort level seemed to be demonic. Mm -hmm. So like, if it's uncomfortable, then that means you should like, we're in, you know, wrong, bad territory mm -hmm. somehow. Mm -hmm. And we need to get back to something that's, you know, clear and organized and, and, you know, at peace. Um, and the, a similar experience coming into garden. I think my first experience was a Sunday morning service, but then ministry time happened and it was like this dangerous space of like, what's going to happen. I'm feeling these weird feelings. I'm like, what's like, what is this thing going to be? Like, are we done? Are we going to keep going? Like, what is this? Yeah. And it was wonderful. But then when it was over, it was like, Oh, was that a one-off thing? Is that like, you know, this hyper spiritual thing that I get to hear about sometimes. And that was it. Well, that was weird. And then the next week it happened again. And then it happened again. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I've come to really love and cherish about Garden Church is just that the desire to lean into the awkward spaces mm -hmm. and to make space intentionally, not knowing what's going to happen because we don't have an agenda, you know, and, and, you know, enter stage left, the Holy Spirit, he's going to come with this word and then totally. enter this pastor over here. He's going to come with this. And it's just like, you know, you, let's, let's go with what the spirit has to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love hearing you guys kind of talk about your story because that clearly is also my story. Like yeah. I did not grow up with that perspective and having ha having led our church on this journey to be open to the things of the Spirit has required, you know, a lot of risk. And I think that's what you're describing too is, you know, what I see is anytime you get comfortable with God, it's not a great place to be because he always disrupts your comfort mm -hmm. to pursue him. Like you, cause you settle for something like, even if it's like, Hey, we're in a charismatic environment, there's no formula for, right. you know, how God wants to move. And mm -hmm. we actually have like a strong liturgy. So people that are listening, like, you know, might go to another church or lead other churches, you know, we have it mapped out. We know yeah. like start time. We have a, you know, we use planning center. We, we know yeah, how many songs, we know what sure. songs, we <laughs> yeah. know the yeah. communion's this long yeah. and then there's yeah. announcements and there's teaching and then there's ministry time and we're doing pre-service prayer. So it's not like there's just, you know, absolute chaos. There's right. actually a lot of order, but I think I was talking with some staff today because we were talking about how long communion was taking. Mm. And he was like, you know, that's the thing. And I'm like, well, that is a thing and it is so important. It's mm -hmm. clearly the biblical, it's what the church gathered around yeah. for the last 2000 years around the you know Eucharist, the Lord's Supper. Um, but we also honor the presence of God um, yeah. outside of communion because we actually believe God's presence is also available to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So like, it's just a framework of theology. Totally. So how we do our services are intentionally designed mm -hmm. to honor the presence of God. And sometimes we do ministry plan and there, or ministry time and there is nothing, like nothing yeah. happens. It's yeah. like, all right, that was a good Sunday. And then there's like last Sunday where it's like, you cannot make this a formula that's expected. Right. Like it's not going to happen that way. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Well, and I love being in a community too, to counterpoint that in a way, 
where I can expect that something's going to happen. Like, like I love that the norm is, yeah, for God's presence to be here, for things to get out of control. Like, I love that I'm trying to like grow past even that, like I not grow past, but expand and challenge and like enter into new territory with the Lord. Like, I love that the norm is already so many leagues ahead of like what the norm was for me. Right seven, eight, nine years ago. Well, and I would say this, it's just that there's more. Yes. I think what yeah. we do is we settle. And if Exodus 33 teaching, teaches us anything, it's that, you know, Moses who met face to face with God yeah. still asked for more. Yeah. You know, he was a friend. No one, you know, met with God in history like him at that yeah. point. And then yet he has the audacity to say like, show me your glory. Mm. Like that is, that is the whole point, right? Like that, the presence of God, there's always more. And so the more you surrender, the more you you pursue, like it, you realize there, there is more. Mm -hmm. So we can't make it a ritual. Yeah. Darren, for, for you and garden has been around for 14 years. Um, was that something that was evident at the beginning that you knew you were going to be flexible and just let the spirit do what he wants to do? Or was that something that you had to learn along the way? I, I mean, so I was, I was very young. So I was 23 and I had no experience. And so, but I had an experience with God that changed my life. So having grown up in the church and then being filled with the Holy Spirit in the UK and hearing God say, plant a church, like I was the, the thing I knew was we wanted to be a community that experience the Holy Spirit that way, mm-hmm. where the, that ordinary people can come in and the power and presence of God would be evident, that lives would change in a prayer in a moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I knew formation. So the things that I knew was from Pastor Bill teaching me in at Vanguard University, the spiritual disciplines and formation, spiritual formation. And then I had this other thing of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I just, I knew those two things going in. Um, I didn't know what it would require. And this is the hardest thing because a lot of leaders, I'm friends with a lot of pastors and we all like control. I like control. I like knowing the plan plan, and I like, you know, most of my friends do an hour and 15 minute services, you know, and that's, I'm like, (laughs) okay. We're going to go there. uh, There we go. (laughs) Like it's not one or the other. Like, but for, for me, I, I experienced, I found the empty, tre- the, you know, the empty field and I'm, there's a buried treasure and I'm going after mm. the treasure. That's it. It's just that I know there's more and I want more. I yeah. want to be responding to that. And a lot of the times with that, uh, cause that's like, you know, the closing down of the sermon is, you know, most churches are, you know, we're getting ready to go. What am I going to eat after this? Yeah. But garden is like gearing up for ministry time. Yeah. Yeah. And when you want to lean in and when people need prayer, when they need healing, when they want someone to just like sit there and worship like we have yeah. like we have that available for them to 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 take part of mm-hmm. and i love that the uh, the visual of the field and going after the treasure and it's like you can't really do that unless you give yourself time and yeah. space yeah. Mm-hmm. and um you know i think i mentioned uh before in other conversations about like the idea of like the still waters you can't hear the drip yeah. of the spirit if you know if there's crashing waves around yeah. and so you really need to like sit still yeah. you really need time and space to just linger and if it's uncomfortable like deal with it because there's treasure when you when you lean in yeah mm-hmm. um darren with uh with the idea of the power of the holy spirit 
at work? Um, what were some of the stories that we've had from uh, this last Sunday because the topic was healing and because, you know, everyone is, is having that in their mind, like what's like what's going to happen, especially in the context of we want the Holy Spirit to show up and do something. Right. Well, I mean, I, I would say, first of all, a lot of people were not healed. So let's just yeah. make sure we know, like, we're doing healing talks. Yeah. You know, a lot of people were not healed. I came home. My son, my son's like 75% better. That's awesome. Now my other son's sick, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's normal. But like, so most people, I don't think there was significant healing. What I've heard is a lot of stories of decreased pain. People, and what we're realizing is there's a lot of people with chronic conditions in our church, which is everywhere. Yeah. And there was like a decrease, not a complete healing, but I would say it's somewhat healing. Uh, we will have staff meeting tomorrow, so we'll have the stories then. But I did get a couple of text messages um, from people who were, you know, telling me what, what was going on. Like some somebody um, prayed for a woman who had uh, an epidural during their labor two months ago, and they haven't been able to feel their abdominal muscles or skin since. And after praying, they could feel and contract her mu the muscles for the first time since mm -hmm. the epidural. Like that that Amazing. happened on Sunday. So and then cool. there's another story of somebody having prayer for their back, but as they were praying, they had a word of knowledge about some generational stuff that was 100% accurate. Mm -hmm. And as they were praying for that, the back pain started to go away. Wow. So those are like the fresh stories. I prayed for s several people. Um, I, I asked people to raise their hands in the first. We did it differently at both services. So we're getting those stories in. Mm -hmm. But I think the main point for me wasn't the outcome and it's not the outcome yeah. mm -hmm. it's that we have to activate and release the church to do the jesus stuff that's yeah. it so we have how i mean i have so many fail stories yeah. so many stories of getting it wrong so many stories of not getting better but i also have stories of dramatic healing and either way we're being obedient that's mm -hmm. the that's for me at the end of the day i'm just being obedient to jesus's command mm -hmm. and it's so so important. What's that? What's that line that was in the office? You miss one hundred percent of the shots you never take. Yeah. Um, and it's, Amanda it's Gretzky, but yeah. yes, there we Michael go. Scott. I only know Michael Scott said it, but <laughs> <laughs> but Amanda, um, I don't want to single you out. Like you're the only person who has tried to go for it and has failed. But I know yeah. um, I've heard <clears throat> several of those stories. And again, <laughs> it, the failure or the Seven. success <laughs> is not the point. Yeah. The point is stepping out. Yeah. Um, would you be comfortable sharing some of your stories? Yeah, 100%. There was one a couple weeks ago. I was at the doctor. This wasn't a story of healing, but... It's risk. risk. Stepping it was out risk. and going for it. Yeah. It 100% was risk in a very vulnerable place. Right. You know, I'm like in a gown at the hospital. <laughs> Not the hospital. Um, I was doing an outpatient thing and was working with a nurse who had been doing a couple things with me for the last, you know, 45 minutes or an hour. And the whole time watching this man and I'm like seeing a picture of a, a little girl in my head and a little girl like getting ready for school and he's like dropping her off to school and he's like it was a very detailed picture that I got in my mm -hmm. head and I'm laying there I'm like do I say something I should it was like a 9 30 p.m appointment which is strange so I'm like it's I'm tired I'm like carrying all these things but I start to feel my heart race like okay I think I need to say something and so I'm like, hey, um, I know I'm, you know, half naked in this gown, but can you, like, do you have a, a daughter? Do you have a daughter? Thinking he's going to be like, yes, how did you know? And he was like, no, I don't. 
And he was like, actually, in my culture, we don't pray for daughters. We actually ask for sons because we believe that sons carry blah, blah, blah. So not only did he not have a daughter, (laughs) I don't want a daughter. (laughs) And I was like, awesome. Great. So everything I saw in my head, I literally made up probably because I'm exhausted. Yeah. yeah. And that has happened, I mean, a number of times. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also been a number of times where I've felt the heart racing. I got to say something and felt the Lord been like, I've made a covenant with you to be with you, like regardless of the outcome. So what is there to lose? And yeah. yeah. That, I mean, I think that's it. Part of this is, look, people are listening like, why do I have to make a fool of myself? Yeah. And you don't, you don't have to take that risk. Yeah. And if you don't try, you won't ever make a fool of yourself. You no. won't even get, you won't get it right or you won't get it wrong. And the point I always tell people the point of the ministry is to reveal the love of God. Mm, so yeah. even when you get it wrong, you're you're being encouraging. Like, well, thanks. Let me just pray for you in general that God would bless you. Like totally. everyone I've prayed for, uh, except for one person in my life, when I've started doing this, there's only been one person who's been, you know, aggressively angry. Everyone else has been grateful and has had an encounter of a loving person. Cause I've, in those moments, I'll, even if I don't feel like it, I will present loving. Mm-hmm. Cause that's true. Like sometimes you're doing it out of habit. I have, yeah. I have a story I was just thinking of when you were sharing your story where I had a, a pastor from Santa Barbara, my friend, Jason Lomolino, who runs Jesus Burgers and mm-hmm. Isla Vista church. And mm-hmm. he came down and we spent the whole day talking about this stuff. And there was a point where I was like, Hey, we're in downtown Long Beach. I'm like, why don't we just walk around and look for people to pray? Yeah. And he's like, all right, let's go. You know, we find this guy limping. I'm like, perfect. Let's pray for him. And we're like, all right, can we pray for healing? Sure. Why not? And, and in a matter of five prayers, he's completely healed. And he had, he had cancer on his heel as a baby or as a young kid. And he wasn't able to walk on it and he was running on it. And then he gave his life to Jesus or I'm sorry, he rededicated his life to Jesus. His name Mm -hmm. was Jamal. And I, I'm like, that you couldn't ask for a better story when you're like on the streets. Yeah. And it was in this moment, like Jason and I were just shocked. We we're just like, holy cow, God is so kind. We prayed for probably four to five other people that did not get any better or get healing at all. Mm. But we pray of, of the time we spent walking on the streets around Long Beach, that guy got healed and rededicated his life. Like that's a pretty great story. You know, yeah. the other people, I don't even know their names, but, but you know, that was in this effort of seeing what God would do. And there was Jamal. So there's, you know, these stories we have. And I love telling stories. Let me just share this. Like for churches, storytelling builds culture. So in our staff, you guys know this, like we tell stories as a way of reiterating the value of what it means to be followers of Jesus, to reiterate the culture we're building at this church. We celebrate risk. We don't celebrate just answer prayers. We celebrate you were taking a risk and you failed, but you're exercising your discomfort muscles of doing what's, you know, uncomfortable. And for most Christians, we're just comfortable. It's all about us. You know, we're walking out going, I don't want to do, I don't feel right. Like, but if this is what I was talking about, like, if you know that your identity is a royal priest, you know, called by God, co-heir with Christ, more than a conqueror, you know, the spirit of God dwells within you. You you have this relationship, Abba, Father, like who cares what people think? That's what's going to stop you from revealing salvation and God's love. Come on, let's go. Yeah. And I I know a lot of people are listening to this thinking like, oh, but that's still not for me because I'm not good at it. And I think the, the truth of the matter is, yes, there's probably people that are, that are good at this or that like this. 
And there's some people that are maybe not as good, but we're, that's not a deciding factor. Like the point is for, for us to bring the gift that we are to the world as we release the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And you don't do that by playing it safe. You don't do that by hiding behind your personality type. Um, You do that by stepping out in faith, like Indiana Jones across the chasm. And it's like, not, not a, not a, not a little tiptoe. It's like stick the leg out because if like, if God is who he says he is, then he's going to catch us in failure and in success. And I wanted to, I wanted you to break down that distinction, Darren, um, because I can listen to this and think, we're, we're going through the failures so that we can get more successes. Mm. But mm. what I'm hearing is it's not a matter of success or failure. It's a, mount, it's a matter of risk. Yeah. Right. What is well, that doing okay. to our hearts when we lean into risk? That's such a good question and good point. Like we talked about, you know, spiritual disciplines being practices so that you can um, think and do what Jesus would do in those moments without having to think about it. So like we learn the fundamentals of basketball to be good so we can play the game. Mm-hmm. The healing ministry of Jesus, we're all called into it. And how do you get good, better at anything? Practice, time. Mm-hmm. So you, like you could have no anointing for healing ministry. You could have, you can lack authority from the Lord because you're not living in obedience to him. Um, you could, you cannot have the spiritual gifting of healing and still participate in healing Mm -hmm. because he'll use you. You can grow in the power and authority of Jesus. You can grow through obedience. You can be gifted with the gifts of healing for others. I see people that are more gifted or more gifted when they pray for the sick, they tend to get healed. Mm -hmm. Like there's just, I always have those friends around like, you should have that person pray. They, they see it. So, so that's, that doesn't mean we don't stop. Right. That means that means we continue to participate. It doesn't mean we don't do the healing ministry. It means that, you know, we're just going to have to try more, practice more. And so I would see as practice. What are we practicing? Doing the things that Jesus did in the same way that we're trying to adopt lifestyle habits Mm -hmm. to experience his life and his truth and the, the eternal life he offers us here and now so that we can walk in his easy yoke. We we also see that doing what he did, sharing your faith, sharing the gospel, um, praying for the sick. Those are things that we do as disciples, you know, and we might, we might find hospitality, hospitality to be a lot easier, you know, less scary, you know, less terror, mm-hmm. opening our home and, you know, making yeah. a beautiful space. Some people do it and they're, they don't have the gift of hospitality, but they open up their home and they make space and maybe it's awkward and clunky, but then when the person with the gift does it, oh, I mean, have you experienced, like there's a difference between welcoming people in your home and the person that has hospitality as a gift. Both have to practice. It doesn't matter because it's a command. And that's what I'm getting at with healing ministry is we need to see it through the lens of discipleship that we are commissioned, if not mandated into it, right? To continue on the ministry of Jesus. So, so whether you're gifted at it or not, whether you like it or not, we should practice it. Yeah. We should practice healing the sick. That's it. So just keep, and I remember the story from John Wimber when a pastor called him and asked like, how do I, like, how do I do this stuff? Like, will you pray for me? And he said, go, I think he said, go and pray for a hundred or maybe said, go and pray for a thousand sick people and then come back and talk to me. And it was just like, that's how you grow. (laughs) Pray for the sick. Yeah. Doing it is the practice that you need. Um, a quick little story about me. Um, I live in Long Beach. I have, uh, we're in an apartment. We have neighbors and, Coming from a previous apartment where 
other neighbors were better at being friendly. You know, they were, they were the ones that, you know, giving the Christmas gifts and the cards and coming over my house and being just so friendly. And I'm like, I want to be that, but I'm not good. I'm not as good as these people, you know, and not that it's a competition, but, um, we, we wanted to, yeah, we wanted to be like, you know, we're bringing the kingdom of, of God as being neighbors and we just weren't very good at it. And so we're in our new place. Uh, we've, uh, we've been there now for about four years. Um, and having that same thought and realizing at the time, I don't need to be somebody else to, to be friendly. Mm. So I was like, I, I make salsa. So what if I, what if I bought some jars? What if I made a big batch? And what if I literally just handed salsa to my neighbors, you know? And I did. And it was super awkward, super just like weird, you know, and it was, it was during, it was near COVID. So handing someone something edible that you made was also like had its strings attached, but trust you, but now it, but now, um, when we see our neighbors, we have like this good friendly relationship and it's like, we can be, you know, kind and courteous and hospitable as yourself. Mm -hmm. It it doesn't have to be complicated. And like I made salsa and you know, you don't have to make salsa. You don't have to, you know, be somebody else, be yourself. Uh, Amanda, you, uh, I texted you yesterday to be on the podcast that we're recording right now. Mm -hmm. Literally Um, as we speak. Literally (laughs) as we speak in real time. Um, I gave you three steps. Do you remember what they were? Show up, be yourself. And speak into the mic. Yeah, speak into the mic. (laughs) (laughs) I've been repeating it in my head. And, and I think, I think God gives us those easy things to follow. Like, I don't, I don't want you showing up to try to pretend like your faith or like your Darren or like you're somebody else. Like what we want here in this conversation is Amanda being like Amanda. And, you know, the only thing that you need to do in this context is lean forward so we can hear you. But, Mm -hmm. um, for whatever that means for the people that are Mm -hmm. listening, be yourself because that's who God wants to use. Uh, for your neighbors, for your coworkers, for your classmates, for your teacher, for the person knocking on your door randomly yeah. and be yourself and don't try to copy other stories, right. you know, and yeah. don't try to conjure up the success story, um, but get used yeah. to it and lean into the risk. Yeah. Can I, can I speak to that? Cause you're talking about the three steps for the podcast. Can I, I think what's interesting is I spent like a, I talked a lot yesterday in my sermon kind of making the case for healing. Um, but at the end of the day, the last section, which was like how to pray for the sick was so simple. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I thought you'd be cool. I want to reiterate these things. So um, I wanted to share for those of you that are listening about healing, because it's not something that's often talked about in the church today in most circles, like in a way that's normal. I think that's a big value we have is like trying to make this normal, make it make healing ministry ordinary and normal and expectant in the church in the same way that we expect worship, teaching, communion to be received. But one of the things that I've seen for those that regularly see healing when they pray. So we've been doing this for a while since 2014, but what I I just want to share some observations. Like if you want to see healing in the healing ministry of Jesus, um, you got to start where you are, but you got to believe that God desires to heal the Mm -hmm. sick. He desires the wholeness of people. So one, just your theology is going to shape what you do. So do you believe that Jesus desires this for people? We do. The second is you got to embrace the tension of the now and not yet. 
which we'll talk about. Like God's kingdom's come now and it's available, but it's also not fully here for everyone. We know that. The third thing is that those who are consistent and effective for praying for the sick and seeing healing anticipate healing. They're praying with, I believe God heals, <laughs> not if it's your will, Lord, maybe not. They're, they're going up with this expectation. The yeah. fourth is that um, those who are consistently effective in pray, praying for the sick, they have compassion for the pain of other people. Mm. That's a big one. Yeah. I feel like ministry time, praying for people, praying for the sick is coming from, it should be coming from a place of compassion yeah. that God desires wholeness and that this the effects of this broken world part of the effects are sin part of it is death satan's rule mm. all you know been defeated on the cross but also sickness like we know mental illness is the result of the fall god didn't intend that we know that depression anxiety suicidal ideation these things are not what god intended yeah. so if we as people of G- of god as jesus people carry his longings into this world, wherever we go, whether it's Starbucks or your work or your home or your neighbors, it's from a place of compassion. And the last thing is, if you are going to be consistent in praying for the sick and seeing healing, you got to take risks Mm -hmm. where you got to up the game. You don't just pray. And like, so when I started, I'd pray and then walk away. Mm. I didn't really, I didn't really know what was going to happen. I'm good. (laughs) Now I'm like, how does it feel? Yeah. Is it, it's not better. It's not. Okay. So it's (laughs) not better. Let me, okay. All right, let me pray again. Yeah. Let me pray again. Let me, okay, so I've prayed five times and it's gone from 10 being the pain that started with two and eight. Let's celebrate the eight. Thank mm. you, Jesus. That's what I say all the time. Mm. And I've seen it go down. Um, and just the last thing, just for practical things, you know, I just reiterate this, like the model of healing is find the sick person, ask to put a hand on, on their shoulder. Start with Thanksgiving. Thank you, God, for the ministry of healing. Yeah. That's for today. Honor God. The third is speak to the condition. Lord, we pray that, you know, the neck would be healed. We pray that pain in the back would go away. And the last thing is you ask the person how they're doing. And and then if they're not doing any better, you pray again. And that that's that is literally the whole teaching is leading up to that. Mm-hmm. Like activating Christians to be people who pray for the sick and recognizing it doesn't take intensity. Yeah. It doesn't take a lot of theology, although theology is clearly important. That's why I'm pushing this. Um, but it takes compassion. It takes a willingness and it's it just engaging people and making yourself feel uncomfortable if it starts with that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I know one thing, cause you guys know I'm big on imagination. My, I get distracted super easily. Um, but when I would find myself a hard time to be compassionate or, you know, they're just, you know, they parked in my parking spot. They took my cheese or something. And I'm like, how am I supposed to pray for someone that I feel resentment to? Or, you know, you know, if they're homeless, why don't they get a job? Like mm-hmm. going, like we could, we have a tendency in our modern world to think in those terms first yeah. and find a v- very hard to, to, to do anything else. And so, so now I'm trying to pray for someone that I might be disappointed with or that I'm not happy with or whatever. Um, something that has really helped me, I'm a dad and, um, you can relate to this, Darren, when, when, when you see, and if, if you're not a parent, like if you're at a park or if you just see a kid, like if they fall, if they're riding a bike and they fall down, they scrape their knee, they're doing something like you don't, you don't, you wouldn't expect to see a parent 
run up and be like, what are you doing? Like, how could you, didn't you see the wall? Like there's cactus right here. You would, you would see a parent like, oh my goodness, are you okay? Lift them up. Like you, like, do you want some ice? Do you want a bandaid? Do you like, what is this? And like, that's what, that's how God thinks about us when we, when we trip up, when we lie for the hundredth time and we, we just like get torn up by the world that we live in, or we just make bad decisions because we're dumb. Um, he, he doesn't come at us like hard like that. He comes at us with a compassionate heart. Um, you know, the prodigal son, like in your face, dad, I'm doing my own thing. And here comes dad running to meet him when he comes back because he's so happy to be with him. Um, that has helped me look at people, you know, as, I th- homeless is an easy one for our family because we get to see it. And it's been such a privilege to see my kids see people when they're laying on the streets and they're like legitimately concerned, like, why is he sleeping on the, on the floor? Mm-hmm. And he, th- them seeing people, it's like, oh, give him a dollar, yeah. give him five, give him $10, pray for healing. Yeah. Think about that guy, pray for him when we walk away. Yeah. And it's, it's so easy for them to do that because they see a person. Yeah. And for me, when I think about, you know, the, that kid falling down at the park and having compassion over man, this is not like some rebel head guy that's like, you know, F the whole world. Yeah. Even, even if he is like, what's, what's underneath that? Mm. It's, some, it's someone that's broken, someone that has gotten tripped up by the world. And you, you, come, you come to this uh, awareness of like, this is God's heart for people. I, I can pray for that guy now. I can pray for this girl now because I would want that for for someone someone else to see me in that way and to comfort me in that way yeah Yeah, i think what you're describing is compassion and it is the entire summary of the old and new testament ethic if you could boil down the you know the ethic of the old and new testament it would be compassion which is the hebrew word for um being moved from within to and compelled to do something and god's does God towards us is compassion. Jesus was filled with compassion, moved with compassion. And I think you're right. Like when you think about how, like, so what is compassion? Is it a feeling? Yes. But it's also a a philosophy. It's also a worldview to see the world through. So it's a lens to say, like, like you just said, a a loving father and mother towards their children that fell off a bike. Like that is how we as Christians ought to treat one another with compassion towards the pain, towards the brokenness. And what I hear you saying about healing ministry is if we have that, then we're compelled to do something. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we're so limited. We don't think we have the resource, but man, there's, there's a practice we've done where uh, it's for people who are afraid to talk to other people in public one of the things we do is like the miracle question. Like if mm-hmm. we go up to strangers and say, this is a practical thing you can do. If God could do, whether they believe in God or not, if God could do one miracle in your life, what would it be? And they say, oh, you know, I want to win the lotto, you know, solve my financial problems. And then you're like, cool, can I pray for that real quick? And, and, and you're, not, you're not asking them to close their eyes. You're not asking them to hold their hands out. You just say, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, would you bring, you know, financial blessing on my brother or sister? Would you, you know, provide for their... Um, their income, provide for their rent, you know, any pressure they have. And what happens when you pray, and I kid you not, when you're trained in this, like to hear God's voice, which is what we do prayer training and we tell people all the time, 
is you'll get a word of knowledge. I can't tell you how many times we've had a word of knowledge. We're like, hey, this is so strange, but there, is there something going on with your sister right now? And they're like, how did you know? I'm like, I didn't know, but Jesus knows. Can I pray for that too? And now they're like, what's going on? You're like, yeah. I believe in Jesus is Lord. And then, and then you move them towards Jesus. And it's such an easy thing. Like yeah. open your mouth and let God fill it. Yeah. I want to say something. Go say it. Um, I don't remember who I heard this from, but someone shared with us, I think at a prayer training that you can't actually have authority over something that you don't love. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so good. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about, you alluded to this yesterday during your sermon. I'm, I'm wondering and I'm looking at myself and I'm, I'm thinking for our community too. Like what keeps us from entering a space and actually having the mindset of love. And I think we can tie that to compassion as well, but, and it's like self focus. It's like love of self. It's self-centeredness. It's fear. Um, yeah. And I think that compassion piece is just tied to like, how do I enter into a space and actually love? Like, how do I have a lens of love? How do I take my eyes off of myself and have a lens of love? Um, cause I don't think we'll get anywhere mm-hmm. if we don't start with that. Like we won't actually have authority when we, you know, are speaking and praying over these things and yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Such I a think, good line. Oh, it's part of it is you're talking about maturity in the faith. Like mm-hmm. you could start with not having love, genuine love for people. Mm-hmm. You know, you could be so self-absorbed, mm-hmm. but then start fasting, start doing silence and solitude, start yeah. praying mm-hmm. for the sick. Yeah. And in the activity, God begins to shape the heart. That, that's yeah. what spiritual disciplines are. Yeah. But you're right in that when your heart is when you when you grow maturity in Christ-like Christ-likeness and you are less aware yeah i wouldn't say less cuz you'll become more aware but you like yeah. tim keller says you um uh, you think of yourself less mm-hmm. right like self-forgetfulness is a book by him and he talks about you know identity being secured in Christ you don't think of yourself less you think about yourself less. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. I forget. You don't the think quote. less of yourself. You don't think, yeah. You yeah. Think he of says it in less. a poetic way that yes. Tim Keller can yeah, say, yeah, yeah. and I'm already destroying it. But awesome. that that is it, right? So mm-hmm. again, you're walking into the room, not, well, God, what do you want to do for me today at church? Yes. Mm-hmm. God, is there anyone I can bless? Yeah. Is, yeah. At the office. Oh, how is so-and-so, you know, doing so well? And I'm versus, Lord, how can... How can I reveal your love today? Yeah. Is it, you know, encouraging word or is it a prayer? Is it buying somebody lunch? Like that's what we're getting after. Yeah. That's the gold. Yeah. It's and like that's where go ahead. Moving out of like main character syndrome. <laughs> that's a thing. <laughs> like I'm yep. the main character uh-huh. of my story. And I think that's maturity. But also holding intention, like there is like a royal calling and identity. And there is like a uniqueness. And the Lord sees me. He knows me. Um, but I'm not the main character of the story and yeah, it's like maturity. Yeah. And and it's funny. I was just on this men's thing with you were there. Were you there? No, you didn't I come. Was not Why there. did I think you were there? I was like, I feel like I had a He's conversation. A I'm always, you're there. already there. Um, <laughs> but I've been on this before in 2016 and you know, that there's sessions and one of the sessions is like, do you know the father's love? And mm-hmm. you know, seven years ago, so much of the work God was doing is about identity mm-hmm. and just reaffirming. I, I had Ezra, I think. Yeah, I only had Ezra at the time. He was a young kid. Um, but in this particular one, like, it's not that I don't uh, I don't need to know the Father's love. Of course I do. But it, there was, like, almost, like, this sense of I, I get it. Yes. Like, yeah. that shirt I always tell people to put on is, like, God loves you, but I'm his favorite. Like, I believe that mm. selfishly. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. 
in like a way that seems so, you know, arrogant Mm -hmm. is a good word. Like when John says the name for himself in the gospel is like the disciple whom Jesus loved, the beloved disciple, like that's a crazy strong identity. Mm -hmm. So much of our time is trying to know who we are in the faith when eventually when you understand through the revelation of the father and uh, of the Holy spirit and the, the father's love for you, um, you're free to then go about the family business yep. and that's it. Right. Like yep. we don't have to, like my kids will never question who their dad is. Like they don't, they, they know there's going to be lots of meals and lots of snacks every day. Mm-hmm. Yep. Their dad delights in them. Yep. Right. There's none of that. Like, I don't know. They're, it's like, all right, they, they're secure in their identity. And as they grow up, they're not going to go back questioning that they're going to be solid in that. That's my hope anyways. Mm-hmm. So that they can go about doing what God's called them to do. And that's what we need to be as Christians, affirmed and confirmed in our identity, strengthened so that we do the family business. Yes, yeah. not to stay. I, who am and I? And I think that's a tactic of the mm-hmm. enemy totally. to just keep us yeah. there around ourselves. and it can be so closed in yeah. Christian language even. Yeah. I'm reminded of a story, and I don't remember the context or the person, but it was a pastor, and he wanted to send a telegram to a bunch of his missionaries. And, you know, he wrote out this long encouragement for them, wanted to send it, but it was gonna be too expensive to send that many telegrams with that many words. And so he started whittling it down and ultimately he found out that he could only send one word to all of his missionaries. Mm -hmm. And the word that he landed on was others. Mm -hmm. Because you can't look at the word others and think about anything else. And it just shifts your mindset towards other people. And I think if, if you're, if you're not, I mean, challenge yourself. If you can pray for one person, you can pray for two. If you can't think of more than that, then do it again. Because as, as you're doing it, you start thinking of, oh, I I can pray for this person too. And oh, and her husband, oh, and they have a cousin and oh, their dog's sick. And you start realizing you actually have a long list of people that you can pray for. And that just builds the love and compassion in your heart. Mm -hmm. Um, so that way, when you do walk into a room, um, you find yourself more often thinking like, what am I here for to do for other people, mm-hmm. not the other way around? Yeah. So good. Um, Darren, I, you alluded to it before, but I did want to make sure that we touched on this because as we're bringing the challenge, as we are you know, breaking things down and making it super easy and bringing the cookies to the bottom shelf, Someone, <laughs> right? Someone is praying for someone for healing. They are going and taking risks, but then the leg feels the same. There is the word of knowledge is totally falls flat. Like what happens after that? Well, I think one, just, we have to first recognize we live in the tension of the now and not yet. So I always teach this when I teach on healing that we live with the truth that God heals and some people don't get healed. Like God answers some prayers and then some prayers are never answered, you know? And I think the truth is like we will all be healed at maybe after we die and meet Jesus or in the second coming. So healing's coming. Just our timeline of it is not always preferred. Um, but I think in general, so, so we live in the now, not yet. Um, uh, we are going to do things out of love and compassion. And we have to hold a theology with the theology of healing. We have to have a theology of suffering and knowing that, um, God doesn't waste anything. He doesn't, I don't think he wills yeah. the evil that takes place or the suffering. I don't think it's his intention that 
people have chronic illness, his intentions garden, you know, his intention is restored humanity, bodies restored, emotions restored, relationships restored, the spirit, union with God. That's all part of God, mind being restored. Like that is God's intention. He is a good father and he wants that for everyone. And we hold, we, we live in a moment where that's not fully realized. So one, we do, we pray for the sick out of obedience to Jesus. That's it. It's not based on your feelings. It's not based on your identity, whether or not you're, you know, your Enneagram or personality types make you more, you know, it makes it easier or not. We do it out of obedience, right? This is what Jesus calls us to do. So if, first of all, have good theology. Does he heal today? Yes. If you, if you agree, cool. Um, Who will use anyone, whether you're, you know, have the gift or not, he will, he will commission you into this. And, and, and so you do it out of obedience. And then when you, so in a local context, which I love the local church, we are a local church and I love praying for the sick in a local church because we can keep praying. There's somebody here who has a, you know, ear problem and, and I pray for them every Sunday when I see them on stage leading in worship and I'm like, they haven't been healed yet. I'm praying for them all the time. I can't wait for the day they get healed. Mm. Um, or also, I, I, for people that pray, you know, I, we're not, we're, we're asking them to bring it back to Jesus. Be like, Hey, I'm going to keep praying. I just encourage you, leave them with an encouraging world word. Thank you so much for letting me practice this ministry. I'm so sorry you didn't get healed. We're going to keep praying and just, you know, be encouraging. But on a deeper note, the real issues are usually less of like the random person that needs, you know, healing in their ankle. There's usually deeper issues, you know, like parents who are watching their kids suffer and or or a loved one that you have that has been sick for years and it's a debilitating chronic illness like that is so hard watching loved ones go through cancer watching loved ones um experience the effects of the fallen world and being intimately involved watching loved ones suffer with chronic depression and anxiety that's hard And so what does it mean to be a person of love who can both believe in healing and walk in comfort and grief as they figure out what it means to live with that illness? Like Mm -hmm. that's, that's such a hard thing to articulate, but that's what I mean by we live in the now and not yet. Like I will pray with somebody for them to be healed until they die. And if they die, I will comfort the, those who are grieving around their death. I will bury them with the hopeful expectation that we'll see each other again. And so that's what we live in. That's the tension. And that's, that's what we're called to be is holding on to that tension. I don't know if that helps, but that's how I see it. Yeah. Um, Amanda, what would you say to the person that has received healing for, you know, ten, uh, tension or just something that's going to take several months to heal uh, something that is chronic and it time and time again, the prayers don't seem to be working. Say it one more time for me. What would you say to the person that has received prayer for healing time and time again, and it just doesn't seem to be working? I would say to keep praying. Honestly, I would. Um, and yeah, to lean into, I think there's those pieces of like bringing, broken expectations and discouragement to the Lord too and allowing him to sit in that with you like yeah to not give up on the prayer piece of it Mm. um to keep like boldly running after healing in your community like going to your community who's walking with you um and asking for that but 
yeah, I think like really courageously bringing the disappointment to the Lord, like bringing honestly, like, hey, I am disappointed that you have not answered this Mm -hmm. with me, for me. I've had to do that. Like bringing, yeah, like things that I have carried for years and years and years and being like, God, why? Why not? Why haven't you? And there's not typically an answer, Mm. to be really honest. Um, But it's allowed for greater intimacy with him. Um, I have trusted more of my heart to him to ask him those questions, to be angry, um, to grieve the disappointment that is here and now, the disappointment that's the thing that maybe I'm even seeing my friend get healed from the thing that I want, Mm. or I'm seeing my friend receive the thing that I want. Mm. Um, Yeah, I think that's like brought me to next levels of friendship with the Lord. Of, of bringing the discouragement, bringing the pain, bringing the disappointment, and also trusting and knowing that he's not keeping me in that place to teach me that. Mm. He's not not answering this to teach me a lesson or because of a lack of something, but like, yeah, trusting that his kingdom is good. Mm. And I think what Darren was saying, trusting that he desires healing, and I, I can't reconcile this, I can't understand this, but... Mm he does and he can and I trust him with those answers yeah so good and it also brings um intimacy in your relationships in in communities that you're a part of when when you are a part of a house church and you say you know pray for my wrist Mm -hmm. and they pray for your wrist and they do it again and again and again Mm -hmm. and nothing happens I think the tendency is to want to like you know shy away and pull Mm -hmm. back but when when you do lean in it's like just a a loving embrace Mm -hmm. you know uh, having people around you that have sat in the hardships with you Mm -hmm. and it just strengthens the bonds of friendship uh that much more um i I think this is such a sensitive pastoral conversation so many people are suffering right so the norm is brokenness and suffering like i can think of the last couple weeks of hearing about a couple who relapsed, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a husband relapsed. And I can, I, I think of like my friends that I've walked with through addiction. And, you know, one of them has just celebrated a year of sobriety after knowing him for 20 years of struggling. Mm-hmm. Like he's now on year one. I was texting a friend today who's 18 years sober. Mm-hmm. Today's his anniversary. And um, so I think about like, you know, addiction. I think about chronic pain. I think about one of my best friends had a back problem and he's a sports guy. He runs pursuit. Zach, he had a back problem at one point that he couldn't get out of bed for a season. You know, now he's leading all these men in these crazy things and does all these things. And so I I get like the, you know, unanswered prayer, the suffering. I think also one of the things I, I, I love to teach from that I heard from Bill is God doesn't waste anything. Yeah. And so we pray for healing with expectation that God will heal now on this mm-hmm. side of death or, you know, the resurrect or the second coming. And, uh, but also the perspective is maturity. Like I, I, you know, I don't know if I shared this in a podcast or I was talking, but, uh, to a friend, but there's this passage that wrecked me and it came out of after COVID, you know, 2020, 2021, 2022, really hard to lead a church. <laughs> like, like in right now, I just read 42% of pastors in the U S don't want to lead churches. Mm. They're, they're mm. like, they're ready to quit. You know, if they could have a job, they would quit. Like pa- mm. being a pastor in this climate and it has to do with politics, it has to do with the expectations of people, it has to do yeah. with all these things, the dynamics of all the things going on. 
And Paul, I remember reading this and it just hit me because my, my perspective at the time was this is hard and, you know, leading a church through this time, blah, blah, you know, everyone's upset with me and all these, all these things. But then I read this and I was like, what am I doing? It was Paul to uh, church in, uh, in, in the letter to in Colossians. He writes, now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. He, he's essentially saying he's rejoicing mm. in his sufferings and it is a benefit for the local churches yeah. he's leading. Yeah. Like his perspective is I'm, I'm becoming more like Jesus. Yeah. I mean, this is, and this is why James is interesting. James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Remember we talked about this, like that the trials, the suffering becomes the gymnasium yeah. for becoming more like Jesus. And in the book of James, he says, is anyone among you sick? <laughs> Let them call the elders to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And a prayer offered by, uh, in faith will make the sick person well. It's such a matter of fact. Yeah. Like we're going to rejoice in suffering because God's using it to create character like Christ. And we're going to pray for the sick. So that's, I mean, that's how I see it. So the maturing of faith is, yep, I'm going to see the suffering as part of my discipleship. God's not causing this, but he will use it for, for his purposes of mm. becoming more like Jesus. And I'm going to pray for healing. And if he heals me, he will use it for me becoming yeah. more like Jesus. That's Good. all. Yes. That's I good. love it. I um, Bill say, offer it all up in Thanksgiving. Yeah. <sighs> we need to get Pastor Bill on this. Let's just go because we're just quoting. We're, we're going to always quote him. That's the yeah. thing. I think Pastor everything Bill. I've said is quoted by Pastor Bill. I just well, want so to far. dedicate this to Pastor Bill. I love you, Pastor Bill. Uh, <laughs> where I live and move and find my pig. Exactly. <laughs> if you don't know Pastor Bill, you need to go. Yeah. If you have breakfast with him, it will change your life. Yes, I, that's absolutely true. Um, this has been such a wonderful conversation. Mm -hmm. And for those of you that are listening to this and are feeling tugged towards action, uh, I, I'll just encourage you, if you see something, lean into it. If mm -hmm. you see a cast, pray. If you see something, um, let's not just deconstruct everything and analyze what should be done and how yeah. we can best you know, manipulate people or resources towards this big cause. Like just do, just pay yeah. five bucks. Yeah. Just, just do the thing, just bless, bless yeah. the person. And I think, uh, so much of what the world that we're swimming in right now is that we love this, like what we're doing right totally. now. We, we can talk about this forever. We can quote Bill forever. Yep. But when we stop recording and when we walk out the church doors, when we're paying for our meal at Beals and we're like, do I really need to tip 30%? You know, like that's when it gets hard. That's when the rubber meets the road. And that's when we, when we need to really be the awesome part of what makes the church good. Mm -hmm. So, good. and instead of instead of complaining that you know uh, you know homelessness is an epidemic or uh, complaining about all these different things, like right. be be the thing that's good about the church. Yes. And we're I'm gonna be I'm thinking about this as we go into this week of just like when I see it I gotta pray for it now. Yeah. And Do this stuff. I if I have I have to have, uh, have the thought have the word of knowledge like share it take the risk um, because next week m the goal is to I'm gonna have some stories to share yeah. and hopefully my heart is that much closer to the heart of Jesus yeah. uh, as we do this together. Well, and if we're obedient, He'll trust us with more. Mm -hmm. And I want to be trusted with more. I feel like that's the thing I've been more afraid of now. Like the fear of man piece is so real for me. 
But a lot of what's in my heart now too is like, I don't want him to not trust me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to miss this opportunity because I want to be trusted yeah. by him. So that is actually more scary to me than fear man at this point. So, so good. here we go. Let's Love go Garden it. Church. So Let's go. I think there'll be resources too. Go to our, go get through our prayer training. We're, we're, we're offering prayer training regularly. So if you want to get that, you can get online, get the resources. We have all this stuff for you so you can pray. Um, wherever you're at, whether at the garden or somewhere else, um, we have resources for you. So go to garden.church and go for it. Yeah, love it so much. Right. Thank you. Thank you guys for joining us, and we'll see you guys next time.